Hi, everybody, and welcome to Drink Geeks Drunk Monkeys Podcasting. I'm one of your hosts, Colleen Carney Hefner. I'm the other one of your hosts, Chris Pruitt. Producer Matt. We're here to discuss season two, episode 20 of Twin Peaks, Path to the Black Lodge. I have a new microphone. So let, let's make sh- let's see if I don't cut out a bunch because that's a big issue for me. Uh, I'm very excited about it. Before we begin, uh, just very quickly, we run a literary journal called Drunk Monkeys. Um, we've been online for a long time now. DrunkMonkeys.us. We have a new issue coming out in the next couple weeks. It's our annual pop culture issue. Uh, it's like triple the size of a normal issue. It's jam packed with pop culture goodness. It's our favorite issue of the year. Um, we have some really cool stuff coming this month, and I'm very excited for it. Uh, so watch for that. We are still closed for submissions. We were supposed to open, but I'm actually opening in May. So May and June, we will be open for submissions for all categories. So if you're champing at the bit to <laughs> to submit to us, uh, you just have to wait a little bit longer. But I find historically, if I open during um, pop culture month, it tends things get fall to the wayside. It's a big thing. Um, also coming out this month will be Candace Kelsey's chapbook from our chapbook press, Choose Your Own Poem. Uh, Cherry Dress Chapbooks is our extension, our arm, if you will, of Drunk Monkeys. Um, that will be coming out. It's up for pre-order. We're also offering a subscription package for the year where you get four books for $25, which is a big discount. They're $8 each usually. Uh, you will be getting Olivia Pierce Graham's Gloom of Excruciating Desires, Candace Kelsey's book. Trapper Markell's Childproof Sky and Kat Conway's book that comes out in October. Um, and <laughs> I forget the name of it right now. I'm so sorry. I'm very tired and I woke up very early, um, but it is coming out very soon. So you would get all four of those books for the price of like two. So, <laughs> so that, um, either way. That arm pun is really going to hit in like 10 or so episodes. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you guys don't get that now. Like real like you guys don't get that now, but your kids will. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, so we are a spoiler light podcast. I don't know why you would be joining in this late, but if you are, we do not really talk about stuff going forward. So we're really only talking about what has happened. And this episode, we go scene by scene, though it's starting to get increasingly difficult mm-hmm. <laughs> to keep certain things under wraps. So uh, we are almost at the end of season two, and we're very excited for it. So let's just jump in. Um, we, when we last left off, Ted Raimi's corpse was in a big paper mache chess piece at the gazebo at the park near the lake. Um, and the cops had found it. So now the cops are dealing with this. Before we get into this, I just desperately need to tell you guys that I found out that a band called Hammerlord wrote a song about this character and this situation i have not listened to it uh but i am going to post the lyrics on our our twitter Mm -hmm. uh it is called the ballad of rusty (laughs) (laughs) tomeski and like the first line is whoa hey man is this for like the lilac parade or what (laughs) 
it's just like insane. And I thought, can, can we do like a clip on that? Is that fair use if we provide commentary on the? <laughs> I think so. I mean, yeah. I think so. Clip, Maybe producer put, Matt know, can find it. Twenty seconds of it, it or end. something like that. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, legally, I think it's, I think <laughs> it's thirty valid. seconds. Yeah. yeah, that might be a good uh, producer corner moment. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's all doable. Good outro for yeah. Hammerlord is the thing. I'll send you this screenshot. Hammerlord yeah, band name is promising. Oh my goodness! Exactly. Um. Now these this is like a long tracking shot of these cops like taking this chess piece out of the gazebo and it takes like six of them to do it, which begs the question: How did right. how did they get <laughs> yeah. it into the gazebo? And you know he does have his like box of like uh, costumes. Windemarl does in that cabin because right. he's always in a costume. Maybe he has like behind it like some sort of tractor. Or something like I don't know. It's just very funny to me. Um, it's a very what? goofy thing to look at. Uh, cons- and this is a very creepy episode, so it's just very funny that it starts this way. Right. Yeah. I mean, what what is the likelihood that you know they enlisted Nadine to help uh move that giant chess piece <laughs> around with the body in it? Because you know that's a uh, that's one method you could be using here. Oh my god, that's a very underutilized moment that could have happened. That would have been great. Um, so I wrote, "What are these cops doing?" So we get this backstory because Ru- one of Rusty Tomaski is his name. One yeah, of we his- didn't even get his name in the prior episode. No, we didn't. Right? I yeah. think he was just like 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 metal kid or something. Yeah, like, yeah, something yeah. Like that. And and so for whatever reason, we have to get this fucking lore dump about this guy who's already dead in this episode. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, one of his band members has shown up and like gives us like uh, I mean we know everything. They are on their way to one thing. Their their car broke down. They were gonna play a show. Rusty hates his dad. He like lives with his like uncle they were gonna move to los angeles like we get a lot of information i do like that this guy is like i'm a roadie for the band and then he's like (laughs) we were gonna move to la it's like no (laughs) if they made it they were not gonna take you with him (laughs) sorry (laughs) i know it's like are you a roadie or are you a boyfriend either way i'm supportive of it but like this seems like a lot of information for a roadie to know about like right (laughs) like the interpersonal relationships of rusty damaski yeah um so uh, he actually, I like this guy, though. He's, like, bringing it. He's, like, he really. Is. And he, like, gets very emotional. And then Andy gets super emotional behind. Andy's, like, an empath. He just, like, feels everybody. <laughs> and he's just, like, so, just quietly sobbing behind this unnamed roadie. <laughs> like, and it's kind of like a touching scene, considering that we never see this person again. <laughs> yeah. And, and then... In fact, he gets exactly one more mention in the very next scene, but he's off camera for it where and maybe that's a good moment to transition because we yeah. we head back to the um, police station following this and we've got Coop and uh, I think Harry and Andy are piling in walking past Lucy mm-hmm. and she's like, yeah, Hawk came in with a very sad guy. He's feeding him breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it's it's uh this is a cute moment with uh andy and lucy in a moment but but we do have this quick like Wyndham is playing off the board so like they've been tracking him with the via this chess game but now he's gone off the rails uh he's a wild card now so yeah um as chris said they they pile in and that happens but then lucy has andy stay back and she's like uh what do you know about saving the planet 
And uh, she's like, also, tomorrow I'm going to pick which one of you is the dad of this baby. <laughs> also, I'm going to join the Twin Peaks beauty contest. Also, <laughs> and she's like a lot of she's like tomorrow's D-Day. Yeah. Yeah. That, I was going to say, don't miss the wonderful phraseology she uses. Yeah. <laughs> um. And he's kind of funny because he's like styrofoam lives longer than we will ever live. Like just like some styrofoam facts. Yeah, and Lucy is like, "Wow, Andy, you do know things about saving the planet." <laughs> They're just so wonderful. They're dynamic. They're really <laughs> wonderful. I would watch a spinoff of them. They're so good. Just some like mad capery between this and season three. Like what was going on in that mm. house? I'd love to know. Yeah. Um. Better so- call Andy. <laughs> oh God. Uh so let's see here. From here we go to oh, we go to John and now okay. We go to John Justice Wheeler. First of all, I need to inform our, our <laughs> listeners yeah. of this little moment that I found out in my research of this episode. <laughs> yeah. By the way, people have been discussing Billy Zane's hair and if it's real or not. It's definitely not. If you listen to the episode's correspondent Twin Peaks Unwrapped, linked above. One of the hosts looked into it, and Zane is wearing a hairpiece. He went bald early. So I like that this guy looked into it. (laughs) It's pretty visible in this episode. It looked a little sus in the earlier ones, but in this one in particular, it's like, yeah, I I mean, I don't know if maybe that's because you mentioned it to me beforehand, but Mm -hmm. like, it's pretty like, yeah, that that's not. That's not coming out of his head. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what that is. Right. Um, it's so funny because if if previous listeners remember, my husband did see Billy Zane once at a, a hair product store buying a lot of hair products for his obviously bald head. So it was very <laughs> confusing for my husband. Um, so uh, the thing that kills me about John Justice Wheeler in this episode is he's leaving for like the whole episode. And he's like, I got to go. I'm leaving right now. Last episode, he said to Coop, I gotta go. I'm leaving. I gotta go immediately. The man yeah. will not leave. Why are you still here? So, so before, <laughs> before we get to the way we get to John Justice Wheeler here is that we we cut and Ben is just shirtless in his office right. and he's receiving a like house call style physical from Doc Hayward mm. that he seems to have ordered so that he can use this to clear the air about this horrible uh uh i'm actually donna's dad uh plot line Mm -hmm. um this is actually the most interesting part of it so far their dynamic is actually a little bit interesting in terms of how they discuss this uh because you know um doc hayward is kind of like i get it man and i get that you think you're trying to do the right thing here but like this is only gonna upset people and like destabilize my family so like i understand you're not doing this to be malicious but this is a stupid fucking idea and ben is like but i'm being driven by this compulsion to like eat carrots and be good now and he's like all right don't do it and then john justice wheeler comes in and he's like my friend in brazil died now i'm not gonna be able to fuck your daughter like what what's happening here and like ben's still shirtless and it's like what (laughs) such a weird collision of plot lines like here's the thing too they're like oh hey jack and i'm like did we call him jack before because i'm pretty sure no one did and everyone in this episode calls him calls him jack i I, I was really thrown by that i think it has was said at some point earlier but not to the degree they they would say like wheeler or whatever or something like that Mm. but like the Jack yeah, threw me because yeah. I'm a, I have a Jack radar because one of my favorite people is named Jack and the name of my novel is Jack. So I'm mm. like, mm, I don't recall this and it's very irritating. Stop right. calling him that. Yeah. His name is John Justice Wheeler. <laughs> um, yeah, Audrey's still not back. 
he's frantic because he's a dead Brazilian friend. Um, and now, yeah. am I supposed to be picking up that like maybe Ben had this guy killed, or is this just like a mm-hmm. like a um, you know a, a crazy coincidence that he was going to plow Audrey, and now this guy's dead and can't? Yeah, I don't know. I I kind of wondered that too because it's like either it's that or this is just such a stupid contrived plot point because and this is not a spoiler because it's clear at the end of this episode he's fucking gone from the story at the end of this episode um like it's over like this thing happens where he's like i gotta go to brazil and then it's like are you gonna come back well like maybe never ever do we even hear about him again he's he's fucking gone Um, i'm assuming nothing into season three too like yeah that's what i'm saying like it it never comes back again um so like it's like this extreme contrivance and you know if ben did this there's no payoff for it like we we, it's never discussed again nobody thinks Mm -hmm. about it again um Ben is not examined based on this event. This event is never referenced again. It's just gone. So it's like, if if that's supposed to be the point, they don't pay it off well. Right. And if it's not the point, then it's just like, what are we, we made up here? some completely <laughs> fucking random thing to get Billy Zane off the show. Because well, it's just funny because I, I guess the only point would be like, I don't want you to fuck my daughter. Right, right. Which like, I guess from like a parental, like I said, especially mm. a television show parental standpoint, it's like, I can buy that. Right. And like Ben is morally reprehensible, but like, but like, yeah, like you said, there's no payoff here, so who knows? Yeah, who it's knows it's very weird. Um, and also, like Ben sucks, but he doesn't really seem like the guy who like calls up and say, "Hey, murder this guy," you know? Like, yeah. and he's he's never really been made out to be that way. So, I I don't um, know. The whole thing is weird. I do like before we move on from this. I do like that Doc says to Ben, "Goodness in you is like a time bomb." Yeah. Such a good line. Yeah, and like yeah. so true of so many people. Like yeah. the minute someone like Ben starts becoming good, you're like, something's up. Something's gonna happen. This is not yeah. in the way you want it to. Yeah, and I think that's the part of this scene that works because even though I hate this subplot, like there mm-hmm. is there is something interesting about this dynamic here of Ben just sort of inherently being this person that destroys everything or, or, you know, claims ownership of everything around him. And so even when he attempts to do good, there is some element of him that cannot stop doing this, right. Tearing apart families, like, you know, making everything about himself. Like even says it in the last episode, he's like, there's like a compulsion in me to do wrong or whatever. He says compulsion. I don't remember exactly the words, but uh, it's just like an. Uh, it's when he it's when he's talking to Dick. Yeah, <laughs> he's just like, man, I fucking, I'm trying to be good, but I want to kill you. <laughs> you're yeah. horrible. Yeah. You're very irritating to me. Anyway, um, we go from here to uh, Donna in her attic, looking at her birth certificate. There's an amazing plaid ice bucket, yeah. like that's in the foreground, and I want. There's a lot it. of weird shit in this scene very cool (laughs) stuff um someone when i was looking up excuse me when i was looking up that reddit thread someone had said there's a really interesting moment of of the fan spinning yeah i was thinking about the yeah go ahead (laughs) which is very reminiscent of of and i think it is even laura's theme so um you know there's very much like kind of like a nod to to the iconic ceiling fan stuff from the laura palmer part of the show Mm-hmm. Um, she's looking up her birth certificate, which, like, I don't know. I guess when I was little, like, all that stuff was always like around for me. So yeah. I just like 
had seen my birth certificate before I was 18, but right. <laughs> um, she's up in the attic and it's like in an album It's and it says mother, like Eileen. And then it's like, father, there's no name, mm -hmm. uh, not even Doc's name. And then she keeps flipping and there's like pictures of like Doc and Ben and Eileen all chilling. And there's like amazing like Halloween pictures. <laughs> and I'm like, I love that they had to like get dressed up for these pictures <laughs> like, <to take> them <laughs> for this album. Because God knows uh, I keep my birth certificates of my children in the same photo album as my two lovers, just in right. case. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, uh, you know, she's trying to to figure stuff out. And as she's doing this, her mother calls that uh, Hawk is on the phone. And this is going to be a motif for the episode. This mm -hmm. this happens a lot. So. Yeah, um, I I want to I want to talk a little bit more about this uh, attic thing. Mm -hmm. Like first of all, the part of how like this immediately cuts back to the stuff I find so frustrating about this plot point because it's like as you say, it's like oh her birth certificate was packaged in with these photos of the two men who may or may not be her fathers. So for this mm -hmm. thing of like oh we were trying to keep this a secret, uh yeah. yeah. So like you fucking stapled a picture of Ben Horn to her yeah. like <laughs> her birth certificate, like no father I, on it. <laughs> yeah, like I I don't really know what to make of that. Um. Second of all, the way they code Ben as being younger in this is they have this fucking mustache on him. <laughs> and these pictures are fucked, man. They they look like if you've been seeing these pictures where Vince McMahon suddenly has a mustache nowadays and he oh, looks God, like no. absolutely fucking insane. Oh, like, I haven't seen um, that actually. Yeah, it, it's it's a nightmare, and he's just fermenting it too, which is like really <laughs> fucking weird. But um like, he wanted to look less like a creep, so he grew a mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he's he's I, maybe it's just that he feels free to do it now. Oh I my know. god! <laughs> I started writing Vince McMahon, and Vince McMahon mustache autofilled. Yeah, uh, yeah, amazing. It's fucking brutal. Oh, um, merciful heavens! <laughs> yeah, it's it's awful, and it it was immediately what popped into mind with the seeing these images of Ben. Um, uh, yeah, did he get like cheek implants too? Oh yeah, he's he's had a ton of work done. I mean, that dude is like eighty. Like he's yeah. <laughs> like the only way he looks that way is because he's he looks bad. He looks real rough. Yeah. It's real oh, not good. It's real not good. And that's what he deserves, frankly. But <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So lot here to like move along this weird Donna Ben Horn is my dad plot that just kind of feels rammed in mm. and still doesn't really you know. Um, I don't need to keep saying the same thing about this plot line. I st still do not understand why they go yeah. so hard on this at yeah. the very end of the series when so much more interesting stuff is going on simultaneously. It, it definitely feels like it's like a setup for a season three right. type thing. Right. You know, like, I don't know how long you would even be able to realistically stretch, like, who's my actual dad into like a whole, mm -hmm. but they're right. trying. God, God love them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Hey, yeah, it's it's a, it's it is what it is. I want that ice bucket though. Yeah, so no. that's important. If anyone's <laughs> listening and they have it, send it to me. Um. Okay. So now we're back at the Great Northern, uh, and Hawk is there to get Audrey, and he's reading a book that's called Owls. Like it's just like <laughs> owls and huge letters. It's like, could we be any more like, hello, Mister Thompson? Right. Uh, about the whole thing. Um. It's the sequel to Coop's book Tibet. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> person. Now, okay, I don't recall if Audrey walks in here or not. I think that's later. Yeah, but... no, it's here. 
Audrey walks in and she's like, mm-hmm. I just got back. I need to find out where John Justice Wheeler is. And Hawk is like, actually, I need you at the, at the fucking sheriff's office right this exact second. She's like, oh, oh, okay. And so then he- I got to tell you, she looks great. She looks great. Yeah, in this she, she looks great in this episode. Yeah, for sure. It's that um, I want to lose my virginity realness. She's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm bringing it. <laughs> she looks good. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So yeah. So he's like, sorry, you got to go. So she's getting sidetracked by that. Uh, I don't think there's much there, but then we go to uh, this very important scene. With there's nothing else to be said about that, right? I didn't write anything. No, we do cut back yeah. to Ben and John Justice Wheeler yeah. continuing their conversation. Um, and it's just a continuation of the same thing, uh, mm-hmm. where they're going, yeah, he's like, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Ben's like, I don't know why Audrey isn't back. And at this point we saw that, uh, Hawk grabbed her out of the lobby. She was back. She was literally mm-hmm. just about to walk in there. They That's do a lot of misses in this episode. Yeah. They do a lot of this yeah. dumb shit with these two characters throughout this episode. Um, and I, I, the only note I made of this because it is straight up just a continuation of the prior conversation, but he like they're really laying it on thick with this dead person who has never been in the story and will never be yeah. in the story again here. Like uh, Wheeler goes, a brave man is dead and I need to go take his place in Brazil. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like they, 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 don't, they don't yeah. say who this guy is. They act like we're supposed to care about it. They don't say what he's yeah. doing in Brazil or what this has to do with fucking anything. It's just like, yeah. Clearly I'm, Wheeler's home planet needs him. So yeah. <laughs> and actually, you know what's exactly so funny? Yeah. You know what's so funny, Matt, is someone in that very old Reddit thread, which was from 2016, by the way, yeah. even said, like, I hate that they like did the his home planet right. Like they even said that. Yeah. It's like he's truly the poochie of, of the yeah. show. Well, everybody should be when, asking, where's John Jensen? Yeah, yeah. Right. Whenever, whenever Billy Zane is not on screen, all the other characters should be saying, Where's Billy Zane? <laughs> um from here we go to this scene. <laughs> Uh, where it, it's Coop and them, and they're talking to the major regarding uh, Project Blue Book, which we know was like a thing that the major was involved in, mm-hmm. and it's all like very classified. But also, Wyndham Earl was involved in it, uh, and the major saying that he read up on the whole thing, and that uh, Earl was the best and brightest on this team, and then kind of started becoming very obsessive about it. He had beliefs that he had figured out, like things regarding like the mysticism and and crazy supernatural happenings he became uh obsessed with dugpas uh which are like you know pure evil that like cultivate mm-hmm. evil for evil it's just like super evil stuff yeah and they start explicitly <laughs> here they finally start explicitly throwing out shit like words like sorcerers and right. stuff like that like we're really going hard into like the D element of this shit finally mm-hmm. like yeah. <laughs> um and you know both good and bad about how they just kind of like suddenly dump it into the story but they do some interesting things with it moving forward so they, I'm, they do I'm and happy i even think, i think this scene itself is very interesting um, you know like like earl was removed because they thought he was becoming too like bonkers about the whole thing and they play this like recording of him that is and i said at the beginning of the episode this episode is genuinely creepy yeah. And and it has these moments that build up towards like very creepy shit at the back end of the episode. But this is where it really kind of first starts coming in. Yeah. And they play this recording and it's Wyndham Earl and he's like ranting about what he's learned about the Black Lodge and that evil. It's like it's a power that like has made this place a tangible place, a real place. Mm-hmm. And these spirits are like real spirits. 
and it is like full res and very creepy and it's him ranting and it almost seems like tool would like sample it at the end of some song Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. but it's genuinely like very creepy and it is the creepiest they try to make Wyndham Earl so creepy and he comes off so campy and goofy most of the time Mm -hmm. this is the first time where he's genuinely scary like listening to this man rant about stuff and, and and totally believe it is scary but then what we know about Twin Peaks and the fact that he's probably right is even scarier yeah and he's like mm-hmm. you probably don't believe me just get out of here or whatever and it's like mm-hmm. but they should believe him that's the thing <laughs> it's so scary I hate recordings they scare me I yeah record saying I'm scared of recordings and mm-hmm. stuff like that so I, they always unnerve me and this is very unnerving yeah there there's um I think even more to your point about, you know, he feels creepy. I think part of what this episode finally does is it sort of unites the fact that he can be creepy with also the fact that he is kind of campy and weird and funny. And like, yeah. this is the first episode where it really hits it and it hits more as it goes along. Like throughout the episode, we see more of it. Um, towing that line is when this character works and it is happening well right. in this particular yeah. episode. Um and I, I think I talked about this at length in the previous episode. Like there were some moments where you really feel that from his character, like when he's like playing the pipe, but then he suddenly starts beating the shit out of a mentally disabled person with it. You know, it's like, oh, he's fucking creepy. And then sometimes he's like, I'm the library professor. Right. <laughs> what poetry is Love this? William yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, uh, but this episode does a good job of putting it on track and kind of making that all feel like of a piece and why this character is upsetting. Um, um, it is, it is super creepy. And this is where Cooper realizes that he's been wrong this whole time, that Wyndham Earl hasn't been there really for him. He's really mm-hmm. been there for the lodge. Yeah. And he's like, I've made a grave error. Yeah. I mean, they, they kind of, I'm glad they address it here because for the last few episodes where it's been like, you know, clear that this is what Earl is after. um, But it's still kind of framed as it's all about this like thing with Earl's wife and this and Coop and their history and stuff. It's like, what I I don't understand. Like, how is it both of these things? It doesn't really make sense. And it still doesn't really make sense. But at least Coop like seems to have this realization that like, okay, so he is fucking with me because he knows I'm partway down this road and he wants to what's in on this. Yeah. So like, at least it's one of those things where they had to write in a line to make it make sense. And they at least did that work. You know, Um, something I want to, mentioned about the scene is who the fuck is cappy dude I, that's my next note who the fuck is cappy yeah, it's he right pop, here pops up is a couple cappy of the times. guy that that got um that got uh put in the hospital because uh that lady was trying to attack harry no i somebody no? did say oh. on reddit cappy was like in the background of one episode i want to say it was like back at like one eyed mm-hmm. jacks or something like right. like he's somewhere he is in other episodes but he's just very like he's not named he's just one of those like background cops yeah that, like, you he, know, he, he, shift. They, they like address him by name a couple different times right. in this episode and yeah. he sticks out because a he looks weirdly like truman it's like yes. is he supposed yes. to be his brother yeah. or something yeah. um and then also for whatever reason he's wearing a leather jacket it's like he's doing the fucking like what what is it like cool Stallone cop. and Cobra or whatever? Right, where right. like every all the other cops are wearing like normal cop clothes, yeah. and he's like, "I'm the cool cop." Yeah, <laughs> like, because they're like Cappy, 
go figure this out or whatever. And he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. cool, I'm on it. It's like, who are you? Yeah, who the fuck is this? Like, There's a great out. line in the bio from the Twin Peaks wiki. The first line of his biography is, Cappy's favorite book was The Boys of Summer by Roger Kahn. I don't know how we know that. I guess maybe that's in a novel somewhere. Um, if so, here's the thing, though. If if John Justice Wheeler is the Poochie of the show, Cappy is the Roy. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, right. Okay, Roy. <laughs> yeah. Roy. That is uh, funny. I literally, but, but of course, as all this is happening, we zoom into... Uh, the bonsai, which is bugged. She's still bugged. They still yeah, didn't still think bugged. to fucking get rid of it, knowing yeah. that Earl is trying to piggyback right. on their findings about the lodge instead. Whoever and could I, have guessed. I didn't write it down, but I think this is where the major says, I'm very tired. Is it here that he says it? I'm tired, so I'm going to go for a walk in the yes. woods. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, okay, first of all, if you're tired, go to sleep. Second of all, we've just established that the woods are spooky. Right. And you know that already because yeah. you've gotten kidnapped from them. Yeah, so, I, I I wrote this as a note later on when we see him in the woods later yeah. in the episode. But I I put like if I were the major and I had just been captured by a supernatural force in the woods not two weeks ago in Showtime, I would simply not walk alone in the woods while I'm exhausted and there is a serial murder spree happening in the area. And I head to like the like. Towards the end of the episode, but like it's the world's longest walk. Yeah, because like that happens way at the end, and it's like yeah. it feels and they even address it on, on screen at some point. They're like, "Why isn't he back yet? Like, what the mm-hmm. fuck happened? Like, <laughs> don't let it." And just like before, where it's like, "Oh, I'm going to take Annie on a date and this and that." Don't do these things while there's a crazy person in town. Like it's like have some you know they all need to read the gift of fear like that book. <laughs> like stop doing stupid things anyway. Um, we go to the cabin with with uh Wyndham Earl and Leo, and uh, I didn't write much here, so I'm not really sure exactly what's going. I know they're listening. It's like that's the segue is they're listening in and they're like, Haha. like Wyndham Earl's like yeah, I know all their yeah. plans or whatever. Yeah. So um, not not much happens here. Mm-hmm. He that. That happens, as you say, and he says, I'm still a step ahead of them. And he's like on this like old ass looking computer setup, like zooming in on parts of the mural. And then we see looking thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and then we see Leo pick something kind of indistinct up from the table, which will come into play later in the episode. Yeah, yeah, I wrote what is this thing, but then I realized as the episode goes on, we find out. So I'm not gonna talk about it here, but um here's where some stuff gets so now that the project blue discussion has happened the creepiness is going to ramp up for this episode mm-hmm. we're going to go to the diner uh it closes up on a woman eating uh some pie mm-hmm. at the counter we have bobby and shelly behind her but she's the focal point here and as she's eating the pie her hands start shaking like you know and she's like mm-hmm. dropping pie everywhere and she's like what the fuck right it's very quick and it's very odd Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's like some weird string music, you know, to in case you are not like, hey, this is supposed to be creepy. The music's there. To <laughs> it lets you know, yeah. <laughs> Again, like hello, Mister. Um, Ominous whooshing. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um. So so we kind of pan away from her to Bobby and Shelly. I love this scene. I love this scene with them. Um. And I I feel like not to get ahead of ourselves and not to say anything really about it, but I feel like this is where we start seeing the Bobby 
that emerges in in season three. Yeah, who is, this who is, is like without a doubt the best Bobby. It, it, it's very funny that like the kind of inciting incident for Bobby's character to like really turn a corner is walking in and seeing the showrunner making out with his girlfriend. Like, that's pretty funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know how to thought through that bit is, but it's pretty funny. <laughs> Look, if you saw your girlfriend making out with David Lynch, it would change your life, too. It would, it would change <laughs> my life. One way or the other. <laughs> it's true. It would change my life somehow. I hope this doesn't awaken something in me. <laughs> uh, um, so we have Shelly and Bobby, and they're working on her speech, and he seems preoccupied. And then he just gets like super earnest and it's like this turning point for him. And like I said, season three, Bobby's the best Bobby, but also arguably the hottest. So I'm excited for that. <laughs> um, he's like, I've seen you kissing that guy. Like I realized I haven't been a good partner to you. I have, he's like, I put on this business suit. Yeah. That, that was exactly <laughs> yeah. what I was going to draw attention to because it, it reason it works really well, I think is because it still feels like Bobby, which is what sells yeah. it. Like the way yeah, yeah. he talks about and thinks about things still sounds distinctively like Bobby, even though it's also clear that he is like overcoming something here or is like, like, you know, taking the next step up the uh, staircase where he's like, he's like, he goes, I started wearing suits. Okay. And then I thought it was better than people. I don't even know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> I started working for Mr. Horn and the whole thing got mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> There was like a civil war plot line. It was really weird. <laughs> it really made me re- reconsider a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a cute moment, and he's like, you know, like, will you, you, know, you like, you know, will you give me another chance? And she's like, what do you think? And then they start smooching, mm-hmm. and then we get off screen a call saying, Shelly Hawk is on the phone for you. So we have this mm-hmm. Hawk, you know, gathering these ladies. Um, let's see. Then we oh so oh we also have in the diner the mayor, uh, I always forget his name. He's like a million, and uh, Lana I think her name is the the slutty right. sex goddess witch <laughs> Mayor Dwayne. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, okay, I got it all rigged, babe. You're gonna win the twin. Like like it's so funny. It's like I got this this small town beauty <laughs> rigged. Like it's very important. And he's like, you wear a slit up to here on your dress. And va 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 You're going to lead into this guy that I'm like coercing. And, and the whole thing, yeah. you're going to win it's it It's off. worth saying that the guy he's coercing is Dick Tremaine. Yeah. And he, and he explains <laughs> him to Lana by saying, and I quote, this guy's British or Bahamian <laughs> or something. Um, <laughs> and like, and then he seems to be getting like, legitimately like aroused by the idea of her like seducing yeah. dick i'm like oh we got mayor Dwayne like cuckold fetish <laughs> content here now oh it's so good and uh yeah he does get like he gets super flustered and he's like when he sees those oh, gams, those that bust <laughs> and i'm like this is so much effort to whore it up for for again a very small stake where like well, the, where like the the prize is a scholarship just like at any any right. scholarship right well and we've already established that she has like a preternatural ability to like affect men to like right. go to, come to her assistance like does she need all this help like she this is like presented as if it was her superpower 
earlier in the series. So why does she now need to like rig the fucking votes? Did did she lose the juice? Like what's going on right. here? I think maybe uh it's not so much that she lost the juice, but it's that the other ladies also have sex magic abilities about juice. them that they're they've not they haven't the they haven't yeah. honed in on yet, but, but they're there. So they're like yeah. right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um so yeah, <laughs> so there's that. A slit halfway up to Seattle is what. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's a good line. Uh, okay, so now we have finally like Hawk has gotten all the girls, and they're with Coop, and they have the pieces of the poem, and uh, and it's so funny because Shelly's like, "Oh, that's definitely Leo's handwriting," which last episode we established. We, we determined like, did not look anything like Leo's right. handwriting. <laughs> this time, at least, they didn't have like the comparison thing where you see it's not the same <laughs> right. at all. Like, but it's still stupid that they brought that up again after how horrid it looked on the previous episode. And the funniest thing is, he's like, "Okay, like, did have you like seen uh, an awkward man lately?" <laughs> and they're like, "I saw like a goofy guy at the library. I saw this guy." Right. So they've all like, Coop's like that's it. I've cracked the case." Of the creepy disguise guy. Right. <laughs> it is no, he still has all the disguises. He doesn't change. Yeah. Um, so here's what kills me about this scene is he's like, I want you girls to check in with your parents every two like two hours. I want you home by eleven. I mm. want you like all these things. Like, like this guy is fucked up and dangerous. So I need you guys to keep doing what you're doing. Right. And and I wrote, someone can't watch these kids, maybe Cappy. Right. Yeah. Like, obviously <laughs> have the other fuck is cops. Cappy doing? Where's yeah, he at? <laughs> have other cops here. So like, like someone can't just like patrol these girls. Like you know, like have like right. like have them go about their lives, but keep an eye on them. I guess that's too much to ask for the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department. Right. Um, Andy is I, not busy. <laughs> we have established that he is not busy. Right. He's, he's <laughs> helping write a beauty pageant speech. <laughs> that's what he's doing during this episode. That it's like, come on. <laughs> um uh, let's see here uh what is happening here oh so here we go back to the cabin yeah. and uh, this scene is fucked <laughs> this scene is fucked this scene and the and the very end of this episode super upsetting yeah like yeah, yeah. like the, this is like i said like the wind merle stuff is is very much hard turning into like horrifying and uh this scene is really fucked up so so we have leo in like a moment of cognition like cognizance or whatever, mm-hmm. look at the the little cards with the girls' mm-hmm. faces, and he recognizes Shelly, and uh, he's like, and he says Shelly, and Earl's like, yeah, she, she's he calls her a tawdry little trollop, right. which I thought was like kind of cool, but anyway, <laughs> um, but he's like, yeah, she's gonna fucking die, dude, and Leo's like, no, which is like interesting because it's like, excuse me, it's like, is he? having like a turning point where he's like not a bad person anymore or is he still like remotely damaged that his like humanity is coming out right. or is it just like i don't know what like the driving force behind right. it is. what's the dynamic here is it some sort of abuser tactic thing where he's supposed mm-hmm. to be in right. charge of like shelly's you know yeah. suffering or not suffering and not Wyndham Earl like there's right. a lot of overlapping ideas here yeah like is and, he and like... honestly I think it's to the strength of the scene that they don't really right dig a lot deeper because there's a lot of different ways to read it and it it makes sense and you can kind of see it in whatever way it makes the most sense to you I think yeah absolutely um but what happens here is we find out that 
the thing that he had pocketed was the shock collar mm-hmm. remote. And I think because he's kind of like super fucked up, he doesn't realize that it's not a weapon. Yeah, so it's the like, collar. So yeah. yeah. So he's like pointing it at Earl like it's a gun. Like he right. thinks he's gonna use it. And the way Earl fucks with him here is to act like that is how it works, to yeah. goad him into like, it. No, you know, Leo, he's like, no. Oh, no, Leo, don't kill me with that. Don't do it. It's gonna hurt. And then he winds up fucking frying himself, and it's so sad. And it's like he won't stop. He's blasting the shit out of himself, and it's like it's like Leo is disgusting. He's like one of the most despicable characters overall in the show. But it like speaks to how like how much they're selling how fucked Wyndham Earl is, Mm -hmm. and how like damaged Leo is at this point. That you feel for him in that scene. It's like this is really a bummer, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's awful. I I was like, I actually hate watching this. Like, yeah. this is really yeah. upsetting to me. Yeah. And of course, Earl's like, hey, hey. Like, oh, it sucks. Um, okay, so from here, uh, yeah, I wrote genuinely upsetting. So no, uh, yeah. from here, we go back to the Great Northern, and Audrey still looks great, by the way. And she's like, where is John? Where is Jack? <laughs> Stop calling him that. Um, and her dad's like, what? He had to leave and here's a letter. But mm. what if you were the spokeswoman for uh you know the for the stop ghostwood campaign in mm. the pageant? So it's funny because last episode I had said, Oh, I thought he was gonna be like, I'm gonna scam Audrey's way into the pageant. And then I was like, Oh, he actually like doesn't give a shit about Audrey. So why would he do that? Right. But now he does want to do that. And I was like, I was just ahead of myself. Because it but could course, do something for him. Yeah. It's so. for himself. <laughs> yeah, it's not for her. So but he's like, look, like, bro, I think you would be the best spokeswoman. Right. Like, you're hot. This no-. He didn't say that, but. Um, I mean, he like, kind of creepily insinuates that she does. He says something yeah. along the lines of, you have a striking and identifiable figure or something right. like that. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and she's like, okay, I don't care. I'm going to go, like, uh, I'm going to go catch Jack. So I, we'll talk about this later. And he's mm-hmm. like, whatever she's like this is gonna be my last chance to fuck in the plane and (laughs) i was promised that several episodes ago now and i'm looking to collect on it being delivered to me (laughs) also the really blase way that like oh why were you talking to police oh some creep sent me a poem Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, really, but that's, he's not that's concerned. Classic, it's classic Ben to just be yeah. like, yeah, okay, I don't fucking care about yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. That's not but my It's problem. also classic yeah. Audrey because Coop yeah. was very specific that this guy's a dangerous, horrifying yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. She's, like, she's like, yeah, like, fuck, like, fucking whatever. Yeah. She's like, got such a single track mind right. of like, I need to get fucked that she's just like, look, we'll talk about all the creepy stuff later. Like, it doesn't yeah, even right. register yeah. to her that she could be in mortal mm. danger. Yeah. I'm not going out a virgin. So. <laughs> the creep can get that after this um this is a very interesting moment because something happens here that is weird yeah and it is as she leaves ben turns around as if somebody has said something to him behind him like something has spooked him it goes by very quick it's very easy to miss but he looks behind him like what was that and this is gonna um i have a theory on that and it's not really a uh, very original theory. Other mm. people have this theory too, but uh, I'm going to talk about it more in a couple seconds. So, um, she runs to get him. Hold on, where did I write this? Do do do. She runs to catch him, and asks. She sees Pete out in the lobby, and he's reciting his Josie oh Josie terrible poem. 
<laughs> to the fireplace <laughs> yeah. as if he's talking to Josie. Right. And so here is what I am surmising is that they're hearing or at least sensing Josie's presence mm-hmm. in the woodwork of the building because Ben turns around very weirdly. Right. And then we go right to Pete uh address like acting strangely right. address almost addressing the wood yeah. of the of the wall and then waves goodbye. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. so that's what I'm thinking happens. Here. Yeah. And I know Pete, I'm not alone there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and mm-hmm. that's true. And Pete, I think we saw that he was in the Great Northern a little earlier. It went by really quick, but mm-hmm. he's kind of just there wandering around and it feels yeah. like he's not there for any particular purpose. He seems to vaguely understand that Josie's presence is related, or at least that seems to be the implication mm-hmm. uh with that. And um I, you know, not to there may be something to say about this in a future episode as well. Uh, another yeah. reference to this, so I, I think we'll be able to talk about it even more in the future. But yeah, that definitely yeah, it's seems definitely to not going to be for a while. But yeah, yeah, it <laughs> no. definitely uh, seems I, to be a suggestion of that. There, I believe that's what's happening there. Uh, yeah. And it's just even like even the way Ben turns around like that is so creepy to me. Yeah. It's, it's like, like that scene in Inland Empire vibes. where Grace Zabrieski is in the living room. And she just like suddenly turns around to someone that you can't see that she yeah. can only like the presence she feels yeah yeah it's got that vibe. I, to I, it. it's, it's a lot of that vibe. shit in the Inland Empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff horrifies me on like a visceral level. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I'm just yeah. like I don't like unknown weird stuff. So yeah. Um, and yet this is my favorite show. So who knows? <laughs> who knows what's going on with me? I love it because she's like, ask P, will you drive me? And he's like, sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this plays off funny, like later. Yeah. Um, so now we go to Coop, Harry, and Andy analyzing that cave drawing that they made like a big replica of. Um. And I forget, I'm sorry. I wrote Coop is horny, and. Mm-hmm. And then I, I write something that happens later on in, in this scene, but I don't know. I didn't write very detailed notes right here, so I'm wondering if you have anything to say about this before. I mean, there's not really a ton. I think I might be jumping towards what you were going to anyway, because they're, they're kind of like talking about it. There's not really anything super specific being communicated here. And then Coop goes to peek out the window, and I'm going to guess this is what you're about to go right. to yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But but the reason he starts peeking out the window is, as you say, Coop is horny. Um, he starts going. <laughs> he starts going like, uh, I'm thinking about any Blackburn, and uh, uh, Harry's like. Uh, I've never known you to be like distracted on a case coop for like the entire three weeks we've known each other. I've never seen you be distracted <laughs> like this. Um, and he's like, yeah, well, you know, it just like kind of trails off, but it, it, it at least seems interesting to see the acknowledgement in the show. Cause we also talked about this on my last episode, I think about how it's kind of against character for coop to start suddenly being like, Oh, I'm not focused on this. I'm not attuned to the supernatural elements. I'm and like it gets called out here both in this scene and mm-hmm. in a different way in a later scene in this episode. Um, that it to an extent it feels like Coop is deliberately like focusing on something else. He's right. there's something difficult about this Wyndham Earl thing and these, you know, the this idea that the supernatural could be tempting or leading him into something bad. 
he's unwilling to accept that or to face mm. that or to acknowledge that for some reason. Um, and I, that is something to keep track of as we move forward from this point, because mm. it will be increasingly important in how we understand Coop and the uh, supernatural bullshit that's going on <laughs> around <laughs> this right now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's got that same music uh, cue to uh, his hand starts shaking. He's like, that's strange. Yeah. Um, and here's where I wrote, I I think this is where they even say, like, where it even is the major? Like, where did he yes. go? It's yeah. been 19 yeah. hours. Um, I had written here, I wouldn't let the major go for a walk in the woods, but that's just me. Yeah. So we have the major just kind of <laughs> like, yeah. almost looks like he's like just right behind the sheriff's. Is it fucking Andy Griffith show ass yeah. roll through the woods <laughs> like here? And we have Wyndham Earl approach him in now, here's the thing. Okay, he and Leo are in a horse suit. Like they are in a third grade One of those play. two men, like, yeah. you know, children's play horse suit kind of thing. Now, things. here's the thing. Yesterday when I was reading stuff, a lot of people were like, that was so stupid. Right? I argue that this is not stupid. I argue that this is actually terrifying. If you no, I, woods, I feel yeah, the same yeah, way yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah, you yeah. were in the woods and someone approached you like that, I would fucking run. I would I would just not yeah. I would not be like, hmm, what is this that's happening? Yeah. I would be out of there. Like like the way Bugs Bunny, like there's like a poof of right. <laughs> like yeah. absolutely not. So creepy. Yeah, it's really creepy. And and that's part of what I was saying about I think this episode is doing a good job finally of marrying these elements of that character that yeah. are both sort of spooky and sort of like goofy or what have you and together there's something uncanny about it it's yeah, like it's yeah d- d- does the isolated image of somebody walking through the woods in a horse costume mm-hmm. is that like goofy on its own yeah but like you know knowing what we know about this guy and like how he operates and mm-hmm. you know the way he uses this kind of performance to like throw people off or have their mm-hmm. guard down or whatever it's like it just feels like a harbinger of like, okay, bad shit is going to happen. Right. And also, horse, when's the last time we saw a fucking horse in this series? It was during that right. awful goddamn scene with like, uh, oh shit, what is her name again? Um, Maddie? Laura's. It- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The cousin? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. Laura's mom that sees the horse, right? Is that, uh, am I remembering? Or does uh, Maddie maybe. see the horse? Yeah. I don't remember exactly, but it's in the living room. It's, yeah, right. it's yeah. I, I can't remember which of them is the one that sees it, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, it was like 900 episodes ago. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, also, I mean, there's probably some chess symbolism, right? Like the knight, the horse. Oh, of course. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 I didn't even think of yeah. that, actually. Mm-hmm. I just love the, the idea of him, like, rooting through, like, hmm, which costume will be the best right. uh, <laughs> to surprise the major? I know. Yeah, I haven't worn the horn, horse costume, like, at all this trip. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, they shoot him with a with a uh, like a dart, like a right. sleeping dart, yeah. uh, right in the chest, which is like, ow! Yeah, and they're like, <laughs> and it's just uh, uh, you know, he's like, good job, Leo, or whatever. It's a very off-putting scene, very mm-hmm. creepy, yeah. very, uh, very jarring. Um, okay, so now, so here's and speaking of jarring, then we have this very quick moment where John Justice Wheeler is in his jet, like looking, like is Audrey here yet? And then yeah. it's just over. Yeah. yeah. Like, why was this even here? <laughs> they needed like two seconds yeah. filled in. It's yep. a jarring editing choice. Yep. I feel like they were leading to like a major Blake on MASH moment. <laughs> Justice Wheeler, the plane spun in, there were no survivors. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I promise you it's even less interesting than that. Like, it's. Uh... <laughs> yeah. 
you're, you're gonna um, get the payoff momentarily and it's okay. just nothing um but yeah um from, i guess we it's when we go from that back to the diner right yes, we do yep and and it's coop and annie yes and you know to the point of all this stuff of like you know, you don't have extra people to actually watch these women whose lives you think are in mortal danger. Coop is at the diner hanging out to Mac yeah. on Annie during her shift. So Come many on, I would not be making. She's at work, okay? <laughs> Here's something funny before this scene gets, like, super serious and weird. Uh-huh. Um, This guy walks by and he, like, coughs. And it, it was so jarring to me, like... Like this extra just like walks from the bathroom past them. And yeah, like, like you can really tell in this episode that Lynch is back on set. Like, yeah. why don't we do that weird thing right over there? Like, you know? right. I'm shocked he didn't direct it. Like, yeah, yeah. it's just so odd. But like, but like this guy coughs and like, I was like, that was fucking weird. And, and Fritz was watching it with me and he was like, that was kind of weird. Like, yeah. I was like, was it intentional? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But it was just like funny to me because it just stuck out to me. Um, this scene, it's, this is so funny because this scene, well, it's not funny, but this scene starts off very normal. He's like, Hey babe. And she's like, "Mm, I keep thinking about you while I'm supposed to be working. And it's like, Oh, it's so cutesy. But, but then the music shifts from like happy music to like Mm -hmm. very like, like, like scary. Something foreboding is happening. And also it's like backing up. And yeah, 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 really yeah, the, weird. The slow pull yeah. out of the camera. Yeah. 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 Like I don't know what that's called, but like a backup tracking shot. Yeah. Where yeah. they just keep getting further and further away. And it's like so mm-hmm. distracting that actually listening to them is super hard. Yeah. And they're just like talking whatever, but like, you know, like mm, mm, let's go out later. Like that kind of it just, you know, cutesy, like I'm in love with you stuff. But it's so it, like I can't even tell you what they actually said because I was so distracted by what yeah. was happening. And and it's just so I wrote super upsetting. It's just off. Like it's mm-hmm. just that kind of uncanny where you're looking at it and you're like, something is wrong, but I can't figure out what it is kind of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like a fear response or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then they lean into kiss. And as they kiss, some plates fall and shatter and they like, look at it. And then it's a close up of this like syrup dripping, mm-hmm. but it's like, I don't even know if those plates were there. Yeah. Like I'd have to go look again. Yeah. But- but like, I think they're like they under the from? table or something. Like, yeah. there's an area under the table that she bumps over? into. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm. I feel like there's the like very in your face imagery of like you're missing something here and it's yeah. like this builds and again this gets referenced again a little bit later on from this but it's like this increasing sense that like Coop is missing something because he is being distracted by this yeah. you know like yeah. and this is not the kind of thing that he lets slide normally like if yeah. a rock falls next to a cup he's like that means something to this case mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. here he is like all these minor disasters are happening around every time he interacts with Annie and it's just yeah. like no this is nothing don't worry about it you know yeah. I mean he's... he ignored that guy coughing and that guy could have COVID yeah I mean, <laughs> should... first of all nobody was masking in Norma you know? <laughs> wow Norma wow right. <laughs> um, so yeah I think that's actually a good point that I didn't really think of is like the idea that it's like we as viewers are maybe missing something because that's what's happening to Coop like he's right. all this weird shit's happening and he's just like mm-hmm. either deliberately or or yeah not deliberately like 
either way uncharacteristically like letting it slide you know and we know that that's not good when coop's not on top of it right but to be fair i would also probably want to make out with heather graham over any of the bullshit happening Uh, she's she is Hard to focus on anything else in your life. She's astounding in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's gorgeous in every episode she's in, but like last episode and this episode, she's just like, like pinnacle. She's like bringing it. Beauty. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. just rough. She's like I- iconically 90s hot, you know, oh like God. that. That's really what it is. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, it's extremely of its era, you know, mm-hmm. like I would risk it all. Yeah. <laughs> and he does. And he does. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay, so here's the thing. So now we go from there to finally Audrey going back. Did you see? That's why that weird scene is just so weird. Like because right. we immediately go back to this. So it's yeah, like, what? Like, do what? we need a reminder or some yeah. shit? Like, what's going you on? It literally had him look out the, the thing and then her pull up. Like it would have right. made mm. way more sense. She stops him, and he's like, "Sorry, I had to go." And she's like, "I'm a virgin." <laughs> and and he's like. So what do you want me to do about it? And she's like, "Well, I want you to fuck me." And he's like, "Oh yeah, okay, sure, yeah, that's fucking the point." It's so that's funny a, that's he says, point. "I want you to make love with me." With me, yeah. Me. I thought that was so weird. With yeah, yeah, yeah. Me. Does anybody say that? Did they used to say that? No, no. She <laughs> got it wrong because she's yeah, yeah. dumb. <laughs> she's dumb, dumb. <laughs> um, and he's like, "Okay." But what I fucking love, I mean, before this, something happens here. But what I love is Pete just like <laughs> stand like, "Oh, you crazy kids." Fuck her, buddy. Pete, right. He's just going to stand there and wait. Well, well he's a ride home, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, but that's just it. Is he, he behaves in as though he was like, you know, when you... The thing in like a movie where like you hire a cab for the day and right. they just wait yeah. for you, you know? <laughs> like, that, that's his life now, is waiting for her to get done fucking him and then um, providing the so truck home. He like kind of wipes a tear away, like, oh, this was sweet. But right. then his hand starts shaking yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this might be the last handshaking thing. I think it so, is. Mm-hmm. So I do want to mention that uh I've seen a lot of different uh ideas about what the handshaking is, and and I can talk about it more at the end of the episode, but uh it happens around like a lovey situation each time. Mm-hmm. So the ladies hand shook when Bobby was like, dude, I've been mm-hmm. like the worst boyfriend and I love you and I want to work things out. Dale's handshakes when he's talking about how much he wants a bone, Annie. Mm-hmm. And now Pete, you know, watching Audrey get the flower. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know if that means anything, but what's weird is uh I, I guess I could talk about it at the end, but I have I I have like a theory that's not really a theory about it, right. but I just want to put it there because I have ADHD and I will forget. <laughs> and then enough. in three no, hours good. I'll go, fuck, I was not meant to and, right. and I have a funny idea that I'm thinking something similar to you, but so ooh, that'll ooh, be ooh, I can't wait. say. Um, okay, so now, oh my god, now we go to the cabin, and we have um, the Major's, like, all strung. I can't figure out how he's actually strung up on the wall. He's, like, on a big, like, targeted mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and he, but he, in, like, the weirdest way. In the weirdest yeah. position, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it's got a like, very kind of tarot card hangman vibe, right? Like, yeah, it, it's, it's an it's unusual kind of like, position. It's not how you'd actually hang yeah, 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 and it's not how you usually see people on a target yeah. in like old movies or right, cartoons yeah. or something. And they're asking him questions as as uh, obviously Wyndham is shooting arrows at him, mm-hmm. stuff like uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, like what is the capital of North and whatever something about Raleigh, North Carolina, which I think comes up in season three. So just keep that kind of in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what do you fear most? The possibility that love is not enough. 
Mm-hmm. How much does your wife weigh? This is my favorite one. He goes 115 <laughs> and she's like, good for her. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, and uh, I believe he asks something about the the Project Blue Book stuff here and, and he's given him truth serum. So, yeah, I, I was going to mention that. Yeah. So, yeah. so as the scene starts, he's, he, Major just keeps saying, I'm not at liberty to disclose that information. Yeah. And then uh, Earl's like, you know, I think these military guys like this are fucking hilarious, but I don't right. have time to fuck around. So he like yeah. sticks him with some true serum thing. And that that's why he's now answering these questions. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, keep going. Uh, and uh, I believe he asks him something about the Project Blue Book stuff. And he says, if Jupiter and Saturn meet, they will receive they will receive you yes um which is like a mystical spooky like black lodge sort of clue right, right, right. and uh and windermore's like fuck yeah i love that for me mm-hmm. um i don't is think it, there's much else to say there because we do go back to them in a little bit but is this the point where um where he starts overlaying the map thing on the screen no, or is that it's, later it's that's later in the very later. upsetting okay. scene okay oh yes yes did yes. not scare okay. much that's more right. at all. that's right yeah. yeah okay um but you know he's kind of like oh okay so then here we go to some a little bit of comic relief which is always nice some uh, catherine with her mm-hmm. box trying to figure out this like they've cracked open that first part of the box and now it's this part with like the moon cycle and some like astrology signs and apparently they like correspond with numbers and stuff and and Andrew is there and they're trying to open it and he's like pressing in different like my birthday. Your yeah, so, birthday. So it, it, how is he making dates out of this? That's the thing. I don't understand. It, yeah, like it just seems made up because it's like it, the symbols are lunar cycles and I think they're astrological symbols that mm-hmm, are surrounding yeah, them. Yeah. But, but they're like, not all I, of them, I don't think. Not all of them, of them. I think. And I don't know how they correspond to numbers to form a date. Uh, so I don't know what the fuck Unless he's doing. Unless it's literally like, like one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like he's that, he's right. so confidently like, this is my birthday. He's like my birthday. This is so and so's birthday. And it's like, are you just pushing random shit? Like, that's what I would be like, doing. When you can't figure out the next step in the escape room, so you just start like pushing the buttons. <laughs> yeah. And... yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like... Uh, then he's like, the day the box came, which to me is stupid. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, then it's right, yeah, then <laughs> which it's is right. the stupidest part. Like, <laughs> stupid. Uh, and then it's like another fucking box, man. <laughs> yeah. And so another box comes out of it. And so Andrew's like, okay, yeah. So then he just takes a rolling pin and smashes the next layer of box. <laughs> he gets the like, shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't even like try to do anything with it or anything. Yeah. Just immediately cracks it open. And then inside of that, there's a tiny like metal bar yeah it's like a, it's like a silver i couldn't tell if it was a silver painted box or if it's yeah. like a bar or if it's a remote like i couldn't really tell they yeah. didn't really show it but uh i did like him and Catherine like quibbling over it yeah, she's yeah, like, yeah. i think this yeah. and she's trying to grab it from him very brother and sister like yeah uh no give it to me i'll try it now you don't know what you're doing like i, I thought that was good especially since there's so much upsetting stuff happening yeah. Right. Both is comic relief, and it's also kind of uh, we don't we get some more of these folks. We don't get a ton more before the end of season two, but we get a little bit more. And I do think it's interesting that after all these machinations to like sort of like reintroduce Andrew as like a guy who's alive mm-hmm. and like have this be part of the resolution of this whole long real estate thing, and like they were scheming the whole time. It's like they can't even agree on who gets to like 
push buttons on a box you know like i think there's something kind of interesting about how they chose to go with that dynamic now that we finally have them in like a non-conspiratorial context with each other you know there's also like a weird like shot of the deer or whatever on the wall i think it's here yeah there's like a lot of weird it's right as they go to slam the box oh yes that's right yeah Yeah. that is Mm -hmm. (laughs) off-putting but i do like them together so so now we go to the bar here we go we're we're at the end of the episode and it's all done up for the miss Mm -hmm. twin peaks thing that's going to be happening tomorrow and uh annie's there sitting at the bar probably drinking a rum and soda whatever the hell that was last episode yeah and um coop comes because of course no one's in mortal danger so it's fine right and uh he's like come on and dance with me and she's like no way bob and then he's like no come on so she does and uh i said again why does he have the time for this <laughs> like, right yeah and you got milford the cock block like you know they're like trying to like get like romantic and he keeps like bumbling around on the stage with a microphone mm. and they're like yeah, right. the the context seems to be they're like testing stuff for the pageant. So right. like the, the place is like half decorated for for it, and he's like testing part of his intro speech for the pageant. And there keep being like technical errors with the microphone, like it either screeches mm-hmm. or like yeah. at some point it's being lowered into the stage, and obviously wasn't <laughs> supposed to be. And it's like it's it's pretty funny uh, how it keeps cutting into them, especially because like Annie starts coming on strong with like hey do you like want to fuck um and and coop's like well whatever do you mean like what she says is i want more than your kisses and coop goes for instance (laughs) which is i thought was a great exchange uh Uh, she talks here a lot about her finally trusting him and like trusting her instincts and stuff yeah and it's interesting she doesn't look at him the whole time yes she's looking at the stage the whole time well Uh, that was interesting well, and then something happens mm-hmm. shortly after that. Right. So while she's talking about trusting her instincts and, you know, that and so on, she's looking at the stage and then she comes in close to him again. And then Coop sees something on the stage, which right. is the appearance of the giant, the reappearance of the giant. Um, and, you know, it, Coop has spent this whole episode ignoring things that he would normally yeah. be like, I'm going right on to. Top of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm right on top of it, or I'm going to interpret this meaningfully as a sign that I should change course. And here the giant literally appears on stage going, no, yeah. doing the move that, like, you know, somebody does when you're trying to back into a spot and you don't right. have enough room and they're trying to, like, get you to not do it, you know? Like, it could not possibly be any clearer. And Coop sits there, like, watching this performance of that, yeah. and then he turns around and makes out with Annie. And it's yeah. like, yeah. oh, Coop, you done fucked up. Like, But I think it, what happens is the, the giant says no, and it cuts away. It, goes it does back. cut away, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, we haven't seen the giant in a very long time. I, I just wanted to complete that thought. Right, right, right. It's so, but, like, yeah. yeah. No, you're completely correct. Um, uh, Coop is not on his A game. He's horny. Yeah, he's horny, and you know, I I think there's something interesting about the fact that like he's receiving this information from the stage, and you know, the stage, and he's choosing to ignore it. We don't know what Annie was doing when she was looking at the stage. It makes you wonder, like, is something going on with her? Was she being right. influenced yeah. by right. something? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because it's yeah. like, is she just like, you know, oh, I like, I want to trust you and stuff, but but is still just not confident enough right. to look at him while she says it? Like, right. Like, vulnerable mm-hmm. for her? Like, yeah. Or is she like, oh, I'm ignoring stuff too on the stage? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, that? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. or is that just me? Um, We 
okay uh yeah i wrote milford the cock block you know we we go from here to pete like sleeping <laughs> he's just like these kids right. are taking way too long uh audrey comes out weeping and and she's like I, he might come back i don't know but he said he was going to take me fishing and he never did and i'm mad about it and pete's like did somebody say fishing <laughs> fuck yes I'll take you fishing right the fuck now, dude. And she's yeah. like, yeah, okay, cool. He says something like, you know, like people's problems always look better when you see like a trout leaping in the morning. In the moonlight. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, um, I think it's cute in a way because um, if you remember at the very beginning of the show, like he wanted Josie to go fishing with him and yeah. she never did. And right. like, so it's kind of like they both have this like fishing closure. Yeah. I, again, we're back at this thing where, like, it suddenly feels like somebody's back in control of the show again yeah. after yeah. like a lot of wandering in the mm-hmm. woods, very literally in the second season. Like, it finally is like, oh, we're we're thinking about what the arc of this story is and how we can bring these characters together and resolve their, you know, or mm-hmm. or choose not to resolve, but at least somehow address what they're going through. I do want to say this scene is before the finishing thing comes up. The scene is like, mm-hmm. th- this is where the like they might as well like turn and look directly at the camera and go like uh billy zane is done with the show he right. has other filming commitments and this character <laughs> is never coming back again and don't worry about it it's like it, there's a long shot of the plane like lifting yeah. off and she's like wrapped she's like got her coat wrapped around her like you know like it some something is like suggestive of post-coital about it yeah. or something and like uh in, and pete's like well you know, he promised he'll be back. He'll be back one day. And yeah. then it's like you can hear Ron Howard going, he would, you know? <laughs> like, right. like, he did just sign on to something called Titanic. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and, and it's, back. it's like this whole stupid plot line with like, oh, like, Audrey, you're the love of my life. But like, I have to immediately leave for brazil because some random guy nobody's ever heard of died and i can never ever ever come back for that for some reason and i also can't take you with me for some reason and it's just like this is so stupid like what is this all i could think of and this is this is a little crass but all i could think of was like i hope that jet had a bathroom because otherwise like she's a mess (laughs) and plus like there's a uti issue at stake like you need to be peeing after sex audrey that's a thing that a virgin might not know (laughs) i hope i hope billy zane was like go pee babe (laughs) well and and if she mentions to pete that she needs to use the bathroom he's just gonna be like well that's okay we're at the lake we got bushes over there you know it's not a good situation i always like one of my most hated things on like in like movies and tv shows is like when people like bone and then, like, right. the girl just gets up and, like, has a conversation or, like, yeah. does whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> like, you know. Every, every character in film has a UTI is yeah. what I yeah. think. Yeah. Like, <laughs> happening right now you need to go take care of. Like, it's just, like, uh, like it just, it's, like, one of my, like, most, uh, yeah. it's just a nitpick. And it's, like, yeah. an unrealistic nitpick. Like, why would they show that? But, like, for me, it just annoys me. <laughs> I, I always think about the scene in Love and Basketball where you actually see him open a condom. Like, I, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that in a major motion picture outside of that movie. <laughs> like I it's... think a lot of, uh, I think the only time anyone has ever referenced it was it, that show Love on Netflix. Which yeah. Yeah. And like she like bangs her like ex or whatever. And then his mom picks him up to buy jeans. <laughs> and she's like, 
what are you talking about? And she was like, your son was just inside me. His cum is dripping out of me. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, right? Yeah. And, and I was just, but I'm like, that's realistic though. Yeah. Cause she like, yeah. that, like she just like throws on her like clothes and runs out after him. I'm like, right. oh, finally someone acknowledged that that's what would be happening. It's so yeah. gross. Yeah. Meanwhile, every single book written by Stephen King has a reference to feeling it dripping down your legs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every, every single the one. Shining, which is yeah. the one that I always think of. Uh, yeah, right, that yeah. one's that one's a really prominent one, especially yeah. because it's like it's like mixed in with the like talking about the child, and it's like oh, it's, yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. weird. Put down the coke vial. Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, we go from that very cute uh, scene mm. to. I like when Pete feels utilized. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, to of uh, the one of the most upsetting scenes I've ever seen on the show, and that includes yeah. season three stuff. Uh, this scene is awful. Yeah, yeah. You have Briggs laying on the cabin floor, like, like basically like choking and and talking right. nonsense because he started right. talking like nonsense when he was on the wall like gibberish like almost like the background stuff, but, uh, which yeah. which not to derail but uh what he says in that first scene when he's at the end of that first scene when he's on the wheel uh backwards speak for the chewing gum you like is coming back in style oh I <laughs> that is what that. he said yeah mm, i so. didn't catch that i yeah. i thought it was just like I thought it sounded like backwards stuff, but right. not. Yeah, but that's what it is if you play. Oh my god! So yeah, so he's on the floor, like kind of still talking like that. So I don't know mm-hmm. if it's anything. Yeah, that I'd, very I upsetting. Didn't see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Leo just screaming, uh, like absolutely just howling. Yeah, it's howling very like upsetting. A wounded animal, and you've got uh, Earl Wyndham Earl like maniacally like he This is my 1992 computer. Uh, this graphic that was on the wall is not a graphic at all it's a map and he's like entered like he's like turning it a bit and he's got the map of twin peaks and he's into like overlaying it and it's a map it's some sort of map and he's like it's a map but there's all this chaos around him and i watched that last night and i was like i fucking hate and he's making weird noises too like he talks about with every tick of the clock and then he stands up and makes like a cuckoo clock noise with his mouth and it's like what the fuck is going on here so over it's overstimulating for one thing which i can't stand and it's just like super overwhelming and horrible like every it it may it's like everyone is in pain and everyone is like incoherent and it's just like the making of a nightmare i fucking hate it I hated this scene. Uh, the creepy Twin Peaks is back, baby, is what I'm trying <laughs> to is. say. Um, yeah, it's like the worst computer graphics in the history of time, too, which is very <laughs> funny. Uh, and then we cut from that back to Coop and right. the 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 giant still going. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, the scene is so off. It's like it's like yeah. since the giant appeared, everything has completely veered into everything is off. Yeah. And um he finishes kissing Annie and uh you hear the the mayor because the, the microphone's still giving him trouble mm-hmm. and he says uh this he's like this isn't right. Yeah something's not right here. And he yeah. means the microphone, but but it's overlaid onto mm-hmm. a scene of the um stoplight swing, right. the empty school hall. Uh, you know, like with the amazing mm-hmm. like graphic on the wall, right. uh, the the woods, mm-hmm. a hole in the ground with what appears to be oil inside. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as this happens, we see Bob's hand. We haven't seen Bob in a very long time. Yeah. Reaching out from the other side of of things. Um, you know, flickering lights and whatever. We have a close-up of I, I, if I'm missing anything, please jump in. Mm-hmm. Uh I didn't write everything down, but it's like, you know, wind blowing through the field, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we have the hole and reflected into the hole. He Bob's yelling, and then reflected. Mm-hmm. In the the oil of the hole is the red room, the curtains, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the red curtains. Uh, the, the, especially uh, the black lodge, I think. But yeah, yeah. Uh, the, well, know, I think the, that's what we're learning in the scene is like the sort of explicit uh, right. union of the red room with the black lodge, and understanding that this is like the same place, or is like right. maybe the antechamber too, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that that's what we were getting a peek of previously in, through Coop's dreams and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and also just like the the thing with Bob's arm appearing, then the rest of him appears like behind the arm, basically, yeah. like he kind of like appears from out behind it. And it's one of those moments where, you know, we have sometimes made fun of like the VFX on this show, so mm-hmm. often with reason, but it works here, even though it's like pretty primitive. And it's like, right. and this kind of becomes a moving forward thing for this series. I mean, it, it has already been at times, mm-hmm. but it becomes more consistently in effect here is there's this sort of use of stuff that doesn't look you wouldn't say it looks realistic, but mm-hmm. it looks like uncanny, right? It mm-hmm. looks like something mm-hmm. that is like, you know, it, maybe you can see a lot of the filmmaking in it, and maybe that's part of the point. And yeah. like, maybe yeah. like that, uh, and it fills this really specific. Well, he's literally say, stepping into a spotlight, right? Right, I mean, right. He's literally stepping almost. into a spotlight, yeah, yeah. and it feels like the way they affect him mm-hmm. in there is like a green screen curtain is pulled yeah. away from him or something yeah. like that. Um, and so it feels very much like he's an actor stepping back onto the stage mm-hmm. after having not yeah. been mm-hmm. it, like it obviously very literal uh, demonstration of that, but mm-hmm. like it, it kind of, I, I feel like it's really key for how we should understand some of the mm-hmm. uh, visual symbolism, especially moving forward from yeah. this point, because they're being pretty upfront with what we're doing with that stuff now. Yeah. Just the ma- the most useful the mayor is is it's conveying there's something not right here yeah. in the in yeah. a in a way that is <laughs> so terrifying. Yeah. Um. Just like I hate the whole back half of this episode is so scary. Yeah. Uh, if I and it's something that should almost be like too on the nose, but God, it works. It, it works. works. Really yeah. Really works. Well, it and part really and I think yeah. I think it's like there's enough that is just sort of idiosyncratic and just yeah. sort of like not really dug into with it that like even when it's on the nose it's still it's pointing you at something it's not necessarily uh you know and this is what the lesson is and the end you know it's like it yeah it's mm-hmm. a little hitting you over the head with it but right. it's like it's working with stuff that is inherently less distinct and you know that we then get to sift through with this mm-hmm. sort of new visual vocabulary I'm excited about it because it is the same sort of off-putting creepiness that Fire Walk With Me has. So I'm very yeah. excited to talk about Fire Walk With Me when yeah, we get yeah, to yeah. it. Because when I first saw that movie, I was horrified by it. And that it movie was is mostly so upsetting. <laughs> it's so upsetting, but it's mostly because so much of it is just like, what what is like what is yeah. this? Yeah, <laughs> what yeah, is yeah. going yeah. on? Uh and it's upsetting because I can't figure, you know, I couldn't figure it out at the time. Right. So yeah, yeah. Um, and that's how the episode ends. Yeah. So we got some some shit afoot, and we only mm. have two episodes of this season left. Yeah. 
So, and I'm going to be real with you. The next one's not really a winner. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's fine for what That's it is, pageant, but this is right? so strong that it almost feels like this should have been the penultimate episode. Right. Yeah. Like, but, um, but yeah. So, I mean, um, so, okay. I had said I wanted to talk about something and now, mm-hmm. oh, uh, oh, handshaking. Oh, yeah. Handshaking. So, so I had posited that it is like love stuff is happening, good vibe stuff. And these people are being affected by it for whatever reason. So if that's connected to Bob coming back, which is like, you know, like he's been making his way back through like Mm -hmm. shit with like Wyndham and stuff. Like, is that, is uh, is the handshaking, does that have something to do with him? And maybe it's like him hating love and like, overpowering yeah, it right, or like right. what exactly like what is that what you were going with or it's sort of so i i think that like we probably can't talk through everything that i'm thinking yet because there's some imagery in the last two episodes that's going to be revealed that is going to you know that i think we can work backwards and think through what it means i i think you should be picking up that there is some relationship here between Mm -hmm. how this is manifesting in people's arms i think you should think about how um arms have been a symbol in the series up to now with um um um, mike mike yeah sorry Mm -hmm. was missing the name for a second with mike with the venus de milo uh statue which was explicitly referenced as not having any arms uh in the previous episode and Mm -hmm. um and how bob reappears and his reappearance is his arm um there's something Mm -hmm. going on with that it will continue to be discussed and probably never fully explained in a way that feels satisfying but we're going to get more about that imagery okay great so i think we're on the same track and yeah yeah. uh, some of it i didn't want to get too explicitly into because i know we haven't hit it yet yeah yeah okay good i think we're on the same page with it yeah cool so yeah uh that's the episode (laughs) so uh is there any producer matt information well yeah i mean this was a small thing but it came up in the early part of the episode and it it seems silly to talk about it now after all that we've seen at the end (laughs) but it's just a little thing so the road i love it the road in the beginning of the episode like i was uh, looking the actor's face like i know this guy i know he does look familiar Looked him up, Willie Garson. If that name sounds familiar, it's because he was Stanford in Sex in the City. Oh, I didn't. Little watch tiny bald movie. Stanford in Sex in the City. That is this dude. Uh, oh, about, uh, oh, ten years from now. <laughs> yeah, that, I didn't watch I Sex in the City though. Shockingly, when I was pregnant with Aiden, so many people asked me if I was naming him after the character in Sex in the City. Oh my god! And I was like, no. What an insulting question. I know. <laughs> right? it was weird. I was like, no, but okay. Sure. I don't watch that show. <laughs> so uh, I know that the director of this episode is uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Maggie Gyllenhaal's dad. Oh. I knew that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because there's like, just like the D Chanel's, it's like if right. there's a Gyllenhaal, yeah. it's just, yeah. I noticed at the very beginning. So, yeah, it's it's going to be somebody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also, so, the, the connection that I don't remember if we ever mentioned on the air that you said over text calling, go ahead and. Bring oh that. Yeah. yeah that the guy who plays doc hayward is mark frost's dad and i yeah. didn't I, I feel like a really like, dweeb like like if i had said that online people would be like yeah idiot right, yeah but uh, i never knew that if we I said it on the show it was four years ago yeah, yeah that's so. The thing. so uh yeah. we've been doing this for a long time we took a long long break when the pandemic first started yeah. so um but yeah that i didn't know that and it's like oh that's kind of cool <laughs> I yeah. that was cute <laughs> so but um 
But yeah, did you did you find that Warhammer song or Lord Hammer or whatever it was? Uh, well, I will I will try to track that down. Yeah. Okay, I'm yeah, gonna post the lyrics. Yeah. So silly. Hammer Lord. Maybe Hammer we should. Lord. Yeah. Maybe we should see if we can find it and like cue it for the next episode or something like that. Right. Maybe yeah. intro music. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Hey, man. <laughs> the lyrics are so funny. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna post them on on the Twitter. So. Yeah. Is there anything else? That's it for me. Oh, yeah. all right. Well, then yeah. we got it. So we got two more episodes, and then we can hit the movie. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about how we'll tackle the movie, and I'm thinking we could split the movie into two episodes, and then do a missing pieces thing, uh, which yeah, is all like the good. deleted scenes, which yeah. are definitely worth talking about, but not so much. Like there are fan edits of the right. movie, but then the movie's like super long and it's kind of crazy. So uh, we'll figure that out. But we still have two more episodes. And uh, we might have a special guest for the last episode of the season. Uh, exciting. Uh, I'm working on that. So otherwise, uh, I have been your host. Thank you for joining us. I'm Colleen Carney Hefner. I'm Chris Pruitt. Thanks for that. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.